November, start of December. Somebody sent me a, somebody sent me an email the other day, a picture of men shopping at Christmas time, and it was it was these guys who were sitting in the in the mall. Some of them were asleep. Uh, some of them were holding like their wife's coat or whatnot. Uh, but uh, we're into that season. That wonderful season, and it seems to come so quickly when it does. Years ago, I read a book, um, and uh, the book was kind of a, a business book, and it was called Dress for Success. Anybody remember that book? Yeah, I mean, that was back in the 80s or something like that. Uh, Dress for su- Success, and, and, and the, the whole thought of this book was, was this, that uh, if you have the right wardrobe... If you know what colors and what style to wear, and, and uh, you can have a greater degree of success based on uh, just wearing the right stuff. I see also in women's things, you know, that power suit, that kind of thing for business. Um, you know, is it true that the shoes make the man? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I didn't find it that way. Um, You can dress for success all you want, but if you don't have something to back it up, I don't think you're going very far. Um, But what is success anyway? Dress for success. I want to be successful, but but how do you define success? And there's where we might have some problems and some questions. Who determines what success is? Um, To be sure, what we wear is important. And it's important that we wear the right uh, kind of clothing for the right kind of uh, whatever we're doing. For instance, let, let, me, uh, let me show you this guy. Um, he's going to be a fireman. <laughs> he's got a little bucket of water. He's got a, an out-of-control fire. And he's thinking, you know, I think I'm, I'm a fireman. I don't have the helmet. I don't have the... The coat, I don't have the hose. All I got is this little bucket. And maybe it's not going to work for you. Or this fella. I like this guy. He's sawing and he knows I should have eye protection. (laughs) So he puts a bucket on his head, right? Probably not dressed appropriately for the occasion. Um, Think about it. Imagine... Going to this swanky gala. That's fine, thanks. Imagine going to this swanky gala. Uh, and, and everybody is dressed. To the, they're in tuxedos. They're in evening gowns and, and formal dresses. And it's so elegant. And you attend just having come from the gym. With a sweatband on your forehead. Perspiration. The, the outfit is wet. And you're wearing... You're wearing a gym outfit. To, you know, saying it's really not appropriate. It's not the right thing. How about a guy who's going skiing and it's minus 15 degrees and he's wearing a bathing suit? Say, I don't think you. I don't think you got the memo about the weather. You know, and there are crazy people that will do something like that. Um, can you imagine uh, playing goal for a hockey team? And you go out there and they're warming up and they're firing those pucks. And, you know, it's, it's like 100 miles an hour firing those pucks. And you're standing in net. 
with shorts and a t-shirt wearing sneakers and going, bud, I don't think you, I don't think you understood what you need to wear for something like that. Or going to a tropical place, going to the beach, having a toque on, overcoat, having, uh, having uh, boots on, on a beach doesn't make sense. And if that does make sense, you just had a really lousy vacation. <laughs> uh, or, or running a marathon in a tight skirt that goes down to your ankles and stiletto high heels, and you're going to run a marathon, not appropriately dressed. Well, you can dress for success, and God wants us to dress for success because he applies this principle, dress for success, in the area of our spiritual life. In fact, what, what, he, what, he's, what he's saying is, um, if you want to succeed in your spiritual life, you need to dress for success. Now, if you haven't been with us, you don't know that uh, perhaps that we've been trying to answer this question. Um, and the question is this. Why is it sometimes that I find the Christian life so challenging and so difficult? Why is it the temptation seems to have such a lure on me, beckoning me and drawing me to itself? Why does it seem like sometimes it's easier to do wrong than it is to do right? Why do I struggle in my, in my spiritual life? Well, we came to understand over the last uh, month that uh, we discovered that there are enemies to our faith. That when you became a Christian, you might have been under the misapprehension that um, you, you, life would be easy for you. When you became a follower of Jesus, everything would be cool and fine and you would be doing uh, well and you wouldn't have problems and you wouldn't have difficulty. And, and sadly, folks, there are some people that are teaching and preaching that kind of stuff um, that come across your TV and maybe on your radio. And that's just not what we get from the Bible. The Bible says that we have enemies to our faith that try and block us following Christ faithfully. Uh, there are um, uh, evil personalities and forces that are uh, in- intent. Like that. <laughs> Good thinking, Maggot. Quick. <laughs> let me say let me say something to you i said there are evil personalities there are demonic forces that are at work and when i entered into this series of messages i entered in expecting possible pushback from the enemy because i'm talking about defeating him and I expect that there may be some pushback. And I can tell you over the last month, there has been some pushback in my life. Um, doesn't include this. <laughs> but there are evil personalities and forces that are intent on rendering us spiritually fruitless. Um, moving us uh, to being discouraged or rebellious or to fight against God's plan or his law. In our lives, we're in a spiritual battle, and we said, as in um, as in a physical uh, battle that we have uh, in war in our world, 
they have three theaters that they're working in. We said there was the Air Force, what, what's happening in the sky. There's the Navy, what's happening on the waters, on, on the oceans. And then there's what happens on land, and we have uh, people working in that way. And so we said, similarly, there are three theaters in which our, our uh, faith is played out, in which we struggle with. There are demonic forces operational in the world, seeking to demoralize us, to sidetrack us, to lead us into everything wrong, to destroy our lives, to turn us from God. And then there's the whole world system that is generated by the work of the evil one, of Satan. Um, And it's to create an anti-God environment in which we live. It, It penetrates our educational system, our political system. It, it's, it's in every part. It's in, uh, it's in our universities. It, it's in the media. And it impacts us negatively. There's this constant chirping going in our mind, constant messaging uh, through advertisers and, and through uh, different means and media uh, telling us, challenging us, impacting us negatively, wanting us to conform our standards to the world's standards when we shouldn't do that, when, when we live according to God's standards. And then we said, it's easy to point the finger out there somewhere, but we need to point the finger in here. Uh, because we, we talked about the flesh and our sinful impulses uh, that we battle from within. These are formidable foes. They are... They're, uh, uh, Difficult on us when we're trying to live out the kind of life that God wants us to live. And um, the, the bottom line is that it can be confusing at times and we don't understand why it is that living out our faith can be so difficult. But as we've looked at these various arenas, uh, we also see and understand that God has given us resources that we are able to overcome every one of these and be victorious. And so today we're wrapping up the series with a message on being victorious through dressing for success. So uh, we're told we're supposed to dress for success. And I want to tell you, God never gives us something. He never asks us to do something that he doesn't at the same time give us everything we need to be able to achieve that. So God will provide for us what we need. And what we need is a set of spiritual armor. Because we need to be dressed for success, we need to be dressed for spiritual warfare. So we need to put on the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. And so here's what what Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's what's going on. Satanically inspired stuff. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. You're going to be able to stand firm. You're going to be able to stand against the enemy when he brings his assault against you. You're going to be able to be successful in that way. Now, Paul comes to the end of this beautiful letter, this epistle to the Ephesian believers. Um, He takes us on this journey, in this 
This short little six chapters, an incredible journey from eternity past and God loving us and setting his love upon us and choosing us and bringing us into his family and cleansing us and forgiving us through Christ and giving us the Holy Spirit. He tells about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is power that is in us through the Holy Spirit. He talks to us about what it means now to to go from the the old way to now God forming this new body called the church, comprised of Jews and Gentiles together in harmony. He tells us what it it means uh, to seek him and and to uh, be enraptured with his love and how to get along with each other and how to walk in light and what God wants of us. And then he comes... Uh, after talking about how we comport ourselves in our homes and with husbands and wives and children and, and employers and employees and all of that kind of stuff, he, he comes back to us and, and he comes to the end of this and he, he, he says, now finally, I want to wrap this whole thing up. And this just wasn't an aside. Um, he's going to give this stirring, stirring challenge by saying, all of this that I've told you, now Understand this, you're going to have pushback, there's going to be struggle, but I'm going to tell you what you need to do to find this struggle. And he gives this stirring challenge, this call to arms, this commitment um, from our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. He lets us know that to follow Christ, we're going to enter a battlefield, and and, uh, he's got this pep rally, he's instructing us um, like a commander with his officers calling his troops to ready themselves for battle. Don't be afraid. The victory is ours. We're on the winning side. I had a news for you. I, I read the end of the book. We win. But in the middle, we have to go through difficulty and challenges and struggles. And so he says, so finally, it's go time. Here's something really important for you. The enemies that you're up against, the challenges that you have in your life are beyond your ability. You can't handle it, but that's okay. I'm with you, and you will have victory. And so the victory comes in this way. It first comes by finding strength in God. Finding strength in God. In, in chapter 6 and verse 10, he says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power, put on the full armor that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You're out of your league. I'm out of my league. We can't fight these cosmic, demonic forces. We struggle with what's in us. How are we going to do that? He said, how you do it is this. You need to find your strength in God. And in God alone. The odds are against you. But with God you're okay. You can do it. You don't have the resources. You don't have the ability. You don't have the strength. But God does. And so he says be strong in the Lord. You know, In the arrogance of some of us. We think we can do it by ourselves. And, and that, that is so wrong. Guarantee is, is, uh, is uh, promised. If we find our strength in the Lord. God 
uh, displayed his power. What he says in chapter 1, his incomparably great power when he raised Jesus from the dead. And that same power he gives to us. So stand in that power. Live in that power. Trust that power. Be strong in the Lord. See, if we're going to defeat Satan, uh, we need something more than what we have. And Jesus defeated Satan. See, see, Satan thought he won the thing. He got Jesus on the cross. He got Jesus abused. And he hung there and he watched him die. Watched him take that lifeless body down from the, from the cross and put it in a grave. On the third day, the earth started to shake and tremble. And the stone was rolled away. And Jesus Christ was raised and he had victory over Satan. He had victory over death. And, and uh, so he's, going to, he's on the winning side. And you stand against the schemes and strategies of the evil one only through the Lord. And there's this, uh, we need to understand this struggle. This struggle is a cosmic struggle. Uh, here's what he says in verse 11. The nature of the battle is such that we struggle against, uh, next, next one please. We struggle against powerful demonic forces that are arrayed against us. This isn't arm wrestling. This isn't, uh, let's see what we can do. He says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and authorities of darkness and evil. And, and uh, this, isn't, this isn't firing land, uh, air, air to land missiles. This is seen an unseen battle. It happens in ideas and philosophies and control of one's minds. And it, it plays itself out in actions. But it starts here. It starts in, in that um, area. Uh, one of the verses you heard read this morning um, from 2 Corinthians 10. The, the weapons we fight with are powerful in God to destroy and demolish strongholds. To break down. Those missiles come in and destroy the strongholds that would keep people bound. And what, it, what are those strongholds? They're arguments and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. See, it's not what we look as. We look at what the manifestation is. We don't look at the root. The root is in, in uh, thinking, believing lies, arguments. It's things that, that are presented to us that work its way out. This is mind and, and our beliefs. And it always precedes actions. And that's why he said that the, the God of this age, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded their minds, lest the glorious gospel of the light would shine unto them. Satan is trying to control the mind, to blind the mind, to keep people from seeing and knowing the truth. Uh, but in, in 2 Corinthians 2, 11, we're not a one, unaware of his schemes. See, God has, God has shown us what he does, what his plan is, what his attack is. We, we, we're taken into the, uh, if you will, the war room of the enemy. And God says, okay, see, see, what they're, see on the wall, see what they've got? Here's, how, here's their plan of attack. Hey, we're not, we're not ignorant about that. We, we, are, we have knowledge so we can face the spiritual battle with him. And the whole goal of it in, in Ephesians 6.13 is to stand our ground. Stand our ground. Uh, 
He says in, in uh, 6.13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. He calls us to take a stand with the enemy and, and not to be moved by that. And, and how can you stand up? You meet the enemy in the power of God and vanquish him. You hold your ground and you can do it only in God's power. So when you've done this, he says, you've got to get dressed for battle. Get dressed for battle. Paul was well acquainted with being dressed for battle. See, when he's writing this letter, he's writing from prison, probably in Rome. He is chained to a soldier, a centurion. He's chained to a guy and he sees what he's wearing. He sees what he's got on his head and his his torso and on his feet and in his hands and around his waist. He looks at all of this and and so Paul understands and so he begins to tell us, if you're going to win this battle, what you have to do is you have to get dressed, get dressed for battle. And so here we go. You ready? Here's the wardrobe. The first thing is the belt of truth, the belt of truth. Now to us, uh, you know, uh, a belt holds our drawers up, right? Otherwise, I, I saw, this is terrible. I saw a guy in my first church, and he, he walked, and he walked out of his pants. And, and he, he didn't have a belt on, and he's walking, and I'm going, dude, pull your pants up. You need something to hold it together. Well, what we need to hold together is a belt. And here's what they had. They had, a, they had an inner garment. And they had an outer garment. And that outer garment would be a big thing of, of material. It would have a hole for the head and the arms. And, um, but it could be awkward because it would hang there. They, you know, they would sleep in it. It would be their blanket. And, uh, and if you're going into battle, you can't have this long thing around. So what you would do is you would take your, your leather belt and you would tuck it in there so you would have good movement. Otherwise, you get all tied up in your, your garment and uh, it would be no good. And so he says what we need is we need truth to be a belt around us that holds everything together. Truth. Now listen, here's what Jesus said about Satan. And, and he's, speaking, he's speaking to the religious leaders of his day and he tells them this in John 4. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. No wonder they didn't like him. He kind of told it like it was. Uh, you, you belong to your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and not holding to the truth. For there's no truth in him. That's in Satan. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and he's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. He, he, he uses deceit and untruths to trap and confuse and to demoralize and to disorient people. He always has done that. In the garden, Satan is saying to Adam and Eve, come on, really? Uh, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree of the garden? Oh, no, 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 we can't. Did God, you know, he's putting lies into their mind. That's where the battle was lost. They didn't have an understanding of God's word versus the lies and the deceit. And he causes believers to lie. When, when, when what God wants from us is character. Jesus himself is the truth. I am the, way, uh, I am the, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
Nobody comes to, I'm the truth. I'm the embodiment of truth. And we're called to be truthful and have integrity. And when Christians are deceitful and they don't, tru- uh, they, they don't uh, tell the truth, they lose the battle to the enemy. Um, the, the, it's contrary. The, the enemy will be contrary to everything that God wants. Speak the truth in love, Paul would say just before this. And so we need to put this belt of honesty, this belt of truthfulness and uh, it, it's what you say is what you mean. You don't, you don't fudge with the truth. You don't play with it. You don't use it to your advantage by, by telling uh, something that's not a truth. You can be counted on. When you say something, you'll do it. You'll, you'll live it. There's no deceit in you. You need a belt of truth on. But he goes on and he looks at the breastplate. And the, bless, the breastplate is, uh, is covering the torso. Uh, you know, all the, all the organs here, all the vital organs need to be protected. Um, and there, one area of an attack is in the area of righteousness. You need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Um, one of the, as I said, one of the areas that Satan is going to attack is the area of righteousness in your life. Um, Satan is a deceiver. He is an accuser. He's been called the accuser of the brothers and sisters. Um, he points his finger accusingly at you and me. He, he, he brings our name before Almighty God and says, Oh, look at that Kevin Rutledge. He's one of your pastors, is he? <laughs> Did you see the attitude he had? Did you see how he behaved himself? Do you see how he, he kind of lost it there? Uh, that's it. And, and we need a breastplate of righteousness. Now, the, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, to, to go against this accuser, God himself made for us. Uh, as he points his finger at us, we have, uh, we have a means of dealing with this. Critical to our ability to stand against the attacks is what God has done for you and me. I mean, we've sung about it. Uh, and, and I want you to notice here that there's nothing for the back. The back is exposed. If you turn to run, you're exposed. No, he wants us to stand our ground. But we stand with the breastplate of righteousness. Here's what the Apostle Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He said, God made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, who never did any sin at all in his life. He never did anything wrong. All he did was what his father wanted, fully and completely. Every activity, every thought, every attitude was fully complying with what God's desire is. God made him who had no sin, listen, to be sin for us. He put our sin on Jesus for this purpose that we might become the righteousness of God. Well, we traded our sin for his righteousness. He clothed us in righteousness. And when you look at the vulnerability of that and the attack against us, because not, none of us are, 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 are totally doing everything we should now, we, we mess up here and there. But that is fully covered through Jesus Christ. We can stand in, in, in uh, righteousness. We have been acquitted. We have been declared righteous in the presence of God. Uh, we've been justified. And our responsibility is now to live out that life. That who we are in Christ. 
and, and what we have in that armor. Uh, he, we, we live out in a very practical way in our own life. The Apostle Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 7, we have the weapons of righteousness in our right hand and in our left hand. Righteousness. It's his righteousness. And we live that righteousness out. Well, then you need something on your feet too. And so we've got the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. We need footwear. We need something to keep our foot from uh, sliding. And so he says in in this verse, our problem was we had no peace of God. We had no peace with God. See, we fought God with your feet uh, fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The, God, the good news of peace are what protects our feet, who, that keep us um, grounded and firm. Um, there's a gospel of peace. Here's the problem. We had, a, we had a relationship with God that was broken. There was no peace between us. We rebelled against God. We, we looked at that last week. Um, and that relationship we had with God was broken. It was severed. Our problem was we were in hostile terms with God. There was hostility. We looked at that last week. The good news is that Jesus provided a means for peace between us and God, that we could be reconciled to God. In Romans 5.1 it says he, we've been justified through faith and therefore we have peace with God. God is no, no, no longer now an enemy to us. He is, uh, he is in a friendly relationship with. We're close. Now sin, uh, Satan hates peace. He hates peace with God. He hates the good news that brings about that peace. Um, He he looks to have hostages that he can keep and uh, that need to be rescued from tyranny. And we stand in a right relationship with God, but we also on our feet. How beautiful are the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That that we take that, that peace and we go and share that peace with others that they may be freed from the tyranny of Satan as well and live in harmony with God and live in harmony with one another. We need our shoes to be of the gospel of peace. And then we need a shield of faith. The enemy's shooting fiery darts, it says uh, to us. Have the verse, please. Back one. In addition to this, we take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. Do you ever see a movie where where they take bow and arrows and they dip the the, uh, arrow in pitch and they set it on fire and then they start and launch these? And it it hits buildings that are, uh, many of which are made of flammable material and the whole town starts to catch fire and, and the enemy is shooting these arrows at us. And we need a shield to protect ourselves from that. Um, we need something that will help us. When these darts are flying, when there are doubts and accusations and depression and fear and temptation and rebellion and false guilt, and these fiery darts are being uh, hurled at us all the time. And, and you're thinking, man, I don't know, uh, telling me, uh, how could God love me because of the things that I've done? And I, I, I haven't been faithful and I sinned here and I sinned so badly and I, I just don't know what to do about it. And the enemy's saying, yeah, God, God love you. How could God love you? Look at your life. Look at what 
what you've done. And, and we don't have any recourse. And the, those arrows are coming in and they're, and they're striking. And we're going, man, maybe God doesn't like me. Maybe God isn't on my team. Maybe, maybe uh, he, he's against me. And all of these attacks that come. But we have a shield of faith. And that faith is trusting God. It's trusting his protection. It's believing his promises. See, in Proverbs 30, verse 5, it says this. God is a shield to those who take refuge in him. God himself is your shield. He's the protection. And when there's, again, there's that claim that, yeah, you're a Christian. How could God, how could God love you? How could God accept you? Well, you remember that he will protect you through faith. That's a shield, believing in God, believing in the promises, the great and precious promises that he's given to us. And, and they deflect all of those arrows. And we have truth. Well, then there's the helmet of salvation, protection for our mind. The spiritual battles that have been won and lost are won and lost in the mind. You don't do something terrible without first thinking through it. Thinking long and hard sometimes through it. Working to that. And, and so the way we think is so critical. Um, we need protection for our mind. And salvation was achieved not by our efforts. It, it wasn't achieved uh, by what we accomplished. But by God's grace. God chose you. God made you spiritually alive, we find in chapter 2. He forgave you. He guarantees your future with him, your future redemption as his child. And you stand secure, not in what you have done, but in the work that God has done through Christ saving you, through salvation. We're kept by God's power. We aren't kept by our own ability we're safe in his arms. And that's why Jesus could say, I give my sheep eternal life and no one can snatch them from me out of my hand. And no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Do you see the protection that we have? The helmet of salvation that we don't, who didn't earn, we don't deserve, but it's ours. And that provides absolute security for us. Keep in mind that we're called to stand, stand. And then he has what looks to be, uh, in this list so far, the only offes- offensive weapon. Do you realize that everything else we're talking about is defensive? How to take your stand. How to stand there and, and take the arrows and all the assaults that are coming this way. Oh, it's, it's the truth and the righteousness and the peace, the gospel of peace and, and, and all of these kind of things. But here he says, it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God's word is powerful. There is power in the word of God. Hebrews 4 and verse 12 would say this. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrows. It it penetrates to the point where it, it dissects things that you couldn't dissect. It judges the thoughts and intents of the heart and attitudes of the heart. It's powerful. It'll cut to the quick. It'll show you who you are, what you're about. And when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the, in the wilderness, what did he counteract with? He counteracted with the word of God. Oh, Satan would say to Jesus, oh, Jesus, what about this? You know, turn the stones into bread. Jesus, 
would come back with, it is written, the word of God shut him down. Um, Cast yourself down. Your angels will take care of you. Don't test the Lord your God. And he keeps going back to the word of God. And what happened? Satan left him. Why? There's no sense hanging around here. This guy is coming back to me with truth that, that obliterates my argument and my attack on him. Uh, when you encounter false li- falsities and lies, Satan has no recourse but to leave. It's over and done with it. But there's another offensive weapon, and that is prayer. Prayer. Um, it's interesting. Um, we said in the beginning that Satan and demons have a, a great, huge chasm between their ability and what God can and can't do. We said that, that demons can't read your mind. They don't know what you're thinking. And so sometimes when in, in prayer you go on the offensive, we need to speak out loud because God knows your thoughts. You have no problem with that. But demons don't know your thoughts. And you can take control of a, si- a situation um, by, by speaking to demonic forces. In the name, in the authority of Jesus, through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, through his authority on earth and in my life, I command you to depart. And, and, and so there is prayer. We win because we acknowledge that we need something more than what we have, and that is what God has. And so we pray. We pray for ourselves. We pray for others. Uh, about a week, and a, a week and a half ago, I... I Woke up at 2.30 in the morning and I couldn't get back to sleep. And God had laid some people on my heart. And I was praying for them. And uh, I was praying that if I could go back to sleep too, it would be nice. Uh, but I, I remember talking to a lady and, and she said, you know, God woke her. And it was at, she looked at the clock. It was like three, uh, three, uh, 11 minutes after 3 in the morning. And she felt led to pray for this certain person. And this person had gone through something very terrible. And uh, she said, you know, I was praying for you. And I looked at the clock and it was 3.11. She said, that was the exact time I was going through something. And there God had awakened her that she would pray and support. And so we pray for ourselves. We realize that we can't do it. So we call on God. We cry out to God. We pray for each other. Here's what he says in, um, in the last couple of verses uh, He says this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me. It's interesting. Paul says, I need prayer that whenever I speak, my words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. He needed prayer. Listen, if he needs prayer, how much more do we need prayer? And God, through prayer, will help us and lead us. Uh, Pray for those. Pray for courage. Courage in the battle. Courage to share that message with others and help others come out of the tyranny they're in. Prayer prayer for others who are struggling um, and burdened. Uh, Pray for those 
who are blinded, who can't perceive or see or understand. And if we do all of these things, we'll stand. And we'll stand firm. Guys, come on up, musicians, please. Because he wants us to be able to stand against all of these foes, all against, uh, of these challenges, uh, of all of these things. And he said, if you want to win this battle, you need to be dressed for success. And to be dressed for success is to put on the full armor of God. You don't put on half of it. Don't, don't go out with half an outfit. Put on the whole armor of God. And when you put that whole armor of God on, you will be able to stand firm before the enemy. Stand stand. You notice that we have uh, shared with you several scriptures that we've used the last few weeks that encourage us that we are on the winning side and here are the resources that God gives to us.